Welcome to Willard Church of the Nazarene. We're glad you're here. We can't wait to share the service with you. Sing 
You have- 
Today we're going to be starting a series in Romans 1. Um, I really want to take a look at worship. Uh, it's a time of season of the year where we, where we give God praise for sending His Son to this earth and all that He did. Uh, and I want us to become the best worshipers that we can, especially around this time. But Romans chapter 1, when I say the word worship, I wonder what comes to our, our minds. What do you think of? We're going to look more at the words that are translated into the word worship in our Bibles next week, and I'm excited about that. But today I want to look at four key understandings that we have to understand when it comes to worship today. I think a lot of people, when they think about the word worship or they hear that, they think about our praise team, right? And they think about that time where we sing praises to God or maybe they think about this worship service that we call it sometimes. I think we've talked about worship enough, though, that we, we understand it's far more than that. It's about bowing down before him. But let's get into it, right? The first thing, if you're taking notes, the first thing that I want us all to realize is that worship isn't something limited to a certain people. It's not limited to a certain segment of people. What do I mean? We need to realize that nobody can say, oh, worship, that's not really my thing. Right? Nobody can say that. I'm not the artistic type, maybe. I'm not the singy-feely type. And so worship, it's not for me. I'm more analytical and, and everything like that. Uh, I'm not the person that, you know, raises my hand. No, no, no. Everyone in here is a worshiper. Everyone, right? Romans 1, verse 18. At this point in Romans, Paul is talking to and talking about these people who have turned from God. Now, you might think if people have turned from God that they've turned from worship because we tend to think of worship as a church thing, but it's not, right? It's not just a believer in God type thing. I want you to notice that even when humanity takes a big left turn and turns away from God, they don't stop worshiping. Romans 1, verse 18, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Now, we're going to stop right here because this answers the age-old question about what about people in some faraway country that have never heard about Jesus Christ? Do they have hope, right? Well, God reveals himself in different ways to all people. One of the ways is through creation. In a minute, we're going to see how one way that creation points to a creator. Creation points to God. And the Bible tells us that if you seek the Lord, you'll find him. If, if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. Deuteronomy 4.29 because of the revelation from God, uh, this revelation through creation, through his divine nature, right, through his invisible qualities, everyone is presented with the choice to either worship God or reject him and worship something or someone else. In the Old Testament, you saw people who worshiped God that weren't Jews, that weren't Israelites. Somehow, God revealed himself to them. We don't know how, but they became worshipers of God. 
through those experiences. So no one has an excuse today. Verse 21, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fool and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over to their sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who has forever praised. Amen. Do you see how it starts off? For although they knew God, they didn't glorify him. Verse 25, they exchanged the truth for a lie. And notice that they didn't stop worshiping after they did that, right? No, they worshiped created things rather than the creator. They didn't stop worshiping because that's how we are created. We are created to worship something, every one of us. That's why I said nobody can say that they're not a worship person right? We're created to do that. It's built into our DNA. We're mirrors. And we're going to reflect something. We're like the moon. I don't know if you remember this in school, learning about this, but we all know that the moon can be pretty bright at night. I don't know if you saw it a little while ago, but the moon was really bright. Why is that? Well, it's not just because it reflects the light of the sun, right? The moon is bright because it was created to be so. That's how it was made, right? The moon has this thing called regolith. Regolith is this layer of rocks and dust, and uh, it covers almost the entire surface of the moon. It's made of minerals, and it's made of glass fragments. Regolith is basically shiny dust. Do you think that's a coincidence? That the moon is covered in shiny dust, this layer of regolith, and it reflects the sun really well? No, that points to a creator, right? My friends, every one of you were created to be worshipers, to reflect something. It's not an option. You're going to do that, whether you realize it or not. You're going to reflect something. You're going to point to something. You're going to worship something. The question is, What is that thing? We all have been, have had God revealed himself to us. So the choice is to reveal him or to be like these people that we just read about and exchange the truth for a lie and to worship something else. You don't ever stop being a worshiper. You just have the choice to exchange it. Travis Kelsey is a tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know if you know him or follow football. You've probably seen him in a lot of commercials these days, State Farm and, and other ones. He does this one with Patrick Mahomes. It's pretty funny. If you, if you aren't a fan of uh, football, you probably know him because he's dating Taylor Swift today. That's the big news, right? There's this one experience credit commercial, though, that that makes me cringe where he's talking or he's walking in the stadium and this guy is walking behind him and the guy goes, hey, you're Travis Kelsey. And and Travis looks at him and turns around and says, hey, you're Brian Halsey, perfect credit score or something like that. I worship you. And I remember hearing that for the first time and I'm like, oh, literally made me cringe, made me kind of sick in my stomach. Um, We have a culture though where people are worshipped, don't we? We have that culture. Uh, We see it in music, right? In my day, seas of people attending Michael Jackson concerts. And I remember, like, they would show him, and not just at the concert, but at different things, going and traveling places, followed by all these people. And if the people got to see him or to touch him, they'd faint. You remember that? You remember with Elvis, maybe some of your older people, or the Beatles? I don't know if I'm going too far back. But you see these people just literally fainting, right, at the the sight of these people, or if they looked their way, or if they got to touch them. Um, You just watch these videos, and you realize, man, we're worshipers. We're going to worship something. 
Unfortunately, sometimes we exchange God for human idols, for people. Point one, we're all made to worship, right? So we are all worshipers. We're all going to worship something or someone. Point number two is worship is not limited to a certain part of your life. It's not limited to certain people. It's not limited to a certain part of your life. For a lot of people, worship is something that we do on Sunday, or we have a playlist for it, right? I've got my worship music. We play that, or we're here in this building, and we think this is the time where we're worshiping. But worship isn't just a certain part of your life. It's really all of your life. I told you that Travis is dating Taylor Swift. I I couldn't tell you one song that she sings, right? I'm not in the know in that. I know I'm in the minority, though, when it comes to Taylor Swift. I was researching her, though, and she's currently on the heiress tour. I hope that's right. Um, They believe it's going to gross $2 billion on this tour. They also believe it's going to generate $5 billion in the global economy. I learned what the average person spends to go see Taylor Swift. You want to take a guess? Too much, yes. Too much. Good job. $1,300. $1,300 per person. Now, you might be lucky and be in the state where, you know, she's coming and you might get tickets and you might be spending less, but there's a lot of people that are spending a lot more on this. What are they doing? How's that possible? Well, uh, you've got to get an outfit, right? Because she's going to see you. You've got to have the right jewelry on. You have the, the right shoes. Um, you're going to spend tickets, extremely expensive tickets. You're, you might not be able to get the tickets in your home state, so you're going to fly somewhere. Right? And when you fly somewhere, you're going to book a hotel. Uh, uh, the city of Philadelphia had the most hotel rooms booked ever in their history due to this. The city of Chicago, most hotel rooms booked in their history. And I'm like, how is that possible? Well, it's not just people going to their concert. Adavi told me that there are people who will fly to these places or go to these places and camp out around the stadium just so that they can listen to the music while it's going on inside. They can't get inside but they're going to camp out outside and listen to it. You got merchandise, right? I learned that you have to go a couple days early and stand in another line just to wait in line for merchandise. Lydia told me that they even show this on movie theaters, drive-in movie theaters, and and, uh, I heard that you had to pay $24 per ticket to go watch it, right? If you're a Taylor Swift fan, a.k.a. a Swifty, uh, and you go to the concert, you're probably going to be streaming that concert to, to Facebook or to your friends, right? And while you're there, you're, 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 or when you get back home, you're probably going to be making videos recapping what you experienced and telling everybody about it. As the hype grows, you know, Taylor's constantly being um, attacked, uh, so you're probably sticking up for her. Or you're probably uh, defending her. In fact, if I were to talk bad about Taylor Swift, you would probably come up here and fight me, right? Because you love her so much. Taylor Swift has such a following that uh, even when it comes to football, when she started dating this Travis Kelsey, people who never heard about the Kansas City Chiefs became fans of the Kansas City Chiefs. And they watch football now, those games, hoping that they'll get an image of her in the, the box and see that glimpse of her. For some people, Taylor Swift isn't a part of her life, their lives. Taylor Swift is their life, right? They live for her. They worship her. If Taylor isn't your thing, maybe it's football, right? Maybe your thing is football. Oh, people don't worship football teams. I remember C.J. Stroud last year. Uh, I remember he was the former quarterback for Ohio State, killing it now in the NFL. But I remember people Venmoing him money just so that they could attack him after Ohio State lost the Michigan game last year. C.J. Stroud got death threats from people. Don't tell me that football is not something that we worship for some people, right? I know there are men who cannot memorize a lick of Scripture, but you got every football stat known to man down, right? Every detail. Football isn't your thing. Maybe it's something called Fortnite, right? 
And every chance you get, you can't wait to get on that game. And of course, you have to have the latest, coolest skin on that. So you pay $20 so you can look like a dinosaur while you're playing the game, right? And you spend hours and hours and hours playing it. I remember this was years ago, getting up late at night, and uh, I used to make YouTube videos. And I would get on and, and start doing that. And I would see kids in the youth group up at 3 a.m. playing Fortnite, playing these video games. And I'm sure those kids got irritated when their mom tried to tell them, hey, you need to do your chores or you need to come eat and it's time for that and uh, all those things. I can't talk because I used to play a game. Well, I still play a game, but I used to live a game called Call of Duty, right? And every November, there was a new Call of Duty game that came out, and this was back when you actually had to go pick up the disc, right? So I would go wait in line on a cold November day until midnight when I could finally purchase that Call of Duty game disc. I would drive back home. I would play all night. I would use my vacation time at work, and I would take a day off or a week off to play video games for a week. And sorry, Edivy, that your birthday just coincides with that, but here's the priority, right? And of course, I had to have my Gamer Fuel, my Mountain Dew Code Red. I had to have Doritos for the double XP. And of course, some kid from Texas is probably whipping my butt, and so I'm screaming at him while I'm playing and waking my wife up, right? It's easy to put something else than God on the throne in your life. Maybe your thing's golf. Maybe your thing is money. Maybe money is the source of your security and your hope when it should be God. Maybe it's a person. Maybe you're a parent putting your, your kids ahead of everything at the center of your life, right? Maybe it's a really special car that you have that is just an idol in your life. Maybe it's tempting to say, oh, James, I'm not worshiping one of those things. In my call of duty days, when God would say, spend time with me, especially that one week, right? I'd be like, after this week, I, I got to focus in on this thing. God forbid if he would have came to me and said, hey, James, instead of going and getting that Call of Duty game and waiting all that time, I want you instead to go do this for me, I would have found every excuse to not do that thing, to rationalize that away and put God off. When we think of idols, we're, we tend to think of those things in the Bible where they carved little animals or little people, and we think that that's what it's about. But idols can be anything. They've come a long way in our societies, right? Do you have something in your life that you might be worshiping, that you might be wondering if you're worshiping? How do you tell if something is what you worship? What if God told you to lay it down? What if God told you to give it up? If you'd be mad at God and unwilling to do it, and find every excuse not to do it, that's an idol. That's a thing that you're in danger of worshiping if you're not already doing that. Give my money away, right? No, 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 that's how I feel safe. That's my source of security, right? Stop doing this thing or that thing. No, that's the one thing in life that brings me happiness, God. You can't ask me to give that thing up, right? Been there, done that, said that. God asks you to give up video games, if God asks you to give up golf, if God asks you to fill in the blank, man, I would really struggle with some feelings towards God. That's a good sign that that's the thing that you worship. Worship is a thing that's all about worth-ship, right? It's when we declare what is worth most to us. For everyone here today, there's something that is worth the most to you. For everyone in here, it's something that we revolve our lives around. There is something that you're worshiping and you're all in on that. That gets the preeminence, the priority of your life, and everything bends around that thing. Worship isn't limited to just part of your life. That thing that you worship is your life, right? It's the central thing. Here's the good news, though. We're all great worshipers. 
right? That's the good news. As a pastor, I don't have to teach anyone in here how to be a good worshiper. You're nailing it, right? You're crushing it. We just have to be worried about what's at the center of our worship, right? That's the thing that we need to look at. Who is or what is worthy of it all? That's the question that we have to answer. And that answer has to be Jesus, right? Third thing is, you're called to true worship. Doug prayed for this this morning. True worship is this whole life's response to the glory and the grace of God. That's what Jesus was really getting at when he was talking to the woman at the well. This woman who had been through so many marriages, so much pain, right? She's living with a guy who's probably not going in the right direction, right? And she's looking for truth. She's looking for hope. And she encounters Jesus Christ. And she realizes this guy isn't like every other guy, right? There's something special about him. And so she says to this Jesus in John 4, 9, Sir, I can see that you're a prophet. She knows he's special, right? Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain. But you Jews claim that the place where we worship is in Jerusalem. So in other words, she wants to do it right, right? And she's asking him because she wants to worship. Where should we worship? Is it at this place or is it at this place? The Samaritans, my friends, say it's at this place. Do you Jews say it at this other place? Where is it? How do we do it, right? And Jesus answers her by saying it's not about where. It's about who. And that's still true today. Verse 21, woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. When you read that, don't you want to know more about that, right? These are the people that the Father seeks, the ones who are true worshipers, right? God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in the truth. There's a kind of worshiper that God is seeking, seeking, And that is a true worshiper. What is a true worshiper? A true worshiper knows that it's about a connection to God, right? And not about a place that you go. It's also about a lifestyle that backs up what you're saying, what you're bringing glory to, right? Spirit, connection, truth. This is real. This is me. This is honest. It's authentic. What I'm bringing to you myself is real. One of the worst things that I think we can do is fall into the trap where worship is mostly about just singing songs. It can be a part of it. It's a good part of it. But it's not it. It can point us in the right direction, and it does that, right? It can include songs, but worship is a whole life response to God. Why? Because God is worth everything. And we have everything through him. And when he reveals himself to us and we see his glory, right, we know that he is worthy. When we see our God go to the cross, right, for us and pay that price, what else is worth more than that to us? When we see his grace, we, we want to give him everything. Why? Because God is worth everything. And everything that we see and have is from him. We see that's what he did too, right, for us. He gave a whole life response to us. And do we really have the nerve to think that we can bring him a song on Sunday and then just go live our life the way we want to live it? Do we really think that brings him glory and honor and praise? That's lip service, right? Oh, no, I'm going to bring him everything. 
because he's worthy it. I'm going to offer it to him, and I'm going to say, I want my life to be regolith, right? I want my life to be shiny dust reflecting you to this world. I want my life to reflect you to my kids. I want my life to reflect you to my family, to my church family, right? To, the, to my neighbor who don't know you, to that random person that I come into contact at the gas station, to my coworkers. I want to be that reflection of you, Lord. I have a definition of worship that I stole, and I shortened it a little bit. But worship is our response to God for who he is and what he has done expressed by the way we live. Worship is our response to God for who he is, for what he's done expressed as the way that we live our life. Worship is a response. In other words, God reveals in our spirit, right? He reveals himself to us. We don't, we don't start the process. He does. We just respond to it. We're responding to the glory and the grace of God. We're responding to what he did for us on this cross, right? And then we, in response, live a life that bows down before him. That's where the truth comes in. This is why we pray for God to that we have open eyes and ears because I know that God is constantly revealing himself to us. And when you get that revelation, it changes you. But you got to have open eyes and ears to hear it. you got to have a soft heart. That's why we pray, so that we respond, right? That's what we want, a life that bows down to him. Matt Redman, famous Christian musician, said it this way, worship isn't primarily about singing. It's primarily about seeing, because when you see, you respond. Are your eyes open? Are your eyes searching? Are you listening? Right? God is revealing his glory and his grace to us. He did it in the person of Jesus Christ. He does it through his word, right? The Holy Spirit reveals it to us, but our eyes must be open. We sing songs of praise to God. We're telling God he's worthy. That's what we're singing, right? But he's only really worth it to us if I walk out that door and live a life that aligns to that. Yes, he deserves all the glory, but he's only going to get the glory if I bow down in my life, if I'm that regolith, right? It's a spirit connection to God, not just getting in a building, not just coming to this service, right? Please don't think that, that that's what worship is. It's a start. It's a point in the right direction. It can happen there, but it must include what we do out there all the time, right? When we're singing, I would be okay if you did not sing and you didn't say anything, but instead that you just got on your knees and said, God, soften my heart. God, open my ears, open my eyes, reveal yourself to me because I need that. I need to see that, right? And I guarantee if you do that, he will. Can we have that attitude when we're singing songs? God, speak to us through this song. Speak to us, open my eyes, open my ears, right? I know that that's the kind of Worshipper that God's looking for. True worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth. Do you get it? It's reversing what we read in Romans at the start of this, right? Where they exchange the truth of God for a lie. We want to exchange the lies that our culture is spewing for the truth. They exchange the glory of God for an idol they made. We want to trade our idols for the glory of God. We want to reverse the left turn that humanity is making by putting Jesus Christ on the throne of our lives and giving him all the worship. Point number four, why does it matter? Last point. It simply matters because you reflect what you worship, which means you resemble what you worship. In other words, you become what you worship. Psalm 115, verse 1 says this, 
Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. That's what we're responding to. That's the revelation. We realize that there's a God who loves us, and we want to respond to that, right? Why do the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. But their idols are silver and gold made by human hands. They have mouths, but cannot speak. Eyes, but cannot see. They have ears, but cannot hear. Noses, but cannot smell. They have hands, but cannot feel. Feet, but cannot walk. Nor can they utter a sound with their throats. Those who make them will be like them. And so will all who trust in them. Whatever is that idol, whatever it is that that you worship, you will be like that. That's how it works, right? Why does it matter? It be- matters because you become what you worship. Ralph Waldo Emerson famously said, what we are worshiping, we are becoming. When I was growing up, there was this man named Michael Jordan. I don't know if you've heard of him. But he had this commercial and this theme, and it was everybody wants to be like Mike. I bought Jordans. Kid bought Jordans around me, right? They went to the playground. They played basketball. They imitated his moves. They stuck his tongue out when they drove to the hoop, right? How many people still choose the number 23 today for their jerseys? How many billions of dollars is still selling today in in the Jordan brand? At one point, everybody around the world, I think, wanted to be like Mike. Charles Darwin once wrote in his autobiography, Listen to this. You know who Charles Darwin is. My chief enjoyment, my sole employment throughout life has been scientific work. What's his God? What is he worshiping, right? From this work, he added, I am never idle as it is the only thing which makes life endurable to me. His life, his everything was scientific work. And what did that devotion lead to? A lot of pain and suffering today. A lot of false messages that tell kid, you're just here by chance. No, you weren't created by the God of the universe. You weren't created with a purpose. You're just here by random chance. This morning, we all need to look inward and follow the trail Follow the trail of our money. Follow the trail of our time, of our affections, of our thoughts. And we need to realize that it was whatever is on that throne at the end of that trail is what we're worshiping. Whatever that is, right? And you need to also know whatever it is that we're worshiping, we're going to be like. We're going to become like that. It doesn't have to be a thing. It can be worry. That's on that throne. It can be anger. It can become sin. Whatever is that is on that throne, you will resemble. The great thing is, though, is if you put your thoughts on God, if you worship Him, right, He'll begin to resemble Him. And there's nothing better. If He's the object of our affection, if He's everything that we revolve our lives around, right, dads. What's God going to do for our relationship with our wives and our kids? What image is that going to project to them, right? What are they going to see? Man, I have worshipped many things in my life. I, I can tell you the things like Michael Jordan, like, like football, like money, like video games. I've worshipped many things, and I've gone from this one than to that one because this one didn't satisfy. So I went to that one and then that one didn't satisfy and then I went to that one. And it was only when I learned and started worshiping God that I got that peace and joy that really fills that void of my life. What are you worshiping? What's on the throne of your heart, right? If it's something else, it's never going to satisfy you. It's never going to be enough. You're never going to have enough money, right? You're never going to have enough whatever it is. 
It'll make you happy for a short period of time, right? right? When, you, when you get that increase in your job, you're thinking, man, if I could just get that pay raise, then I'll be happy, and then you get it, and then guess what? Everything else levels up, and then you're far behind, and you need another one. You're just never satisfied with whatever that is. That thing is that you're looking for your source of hope. For, you're looking for that source of contentment. Man, you know what I really worry about my daughter, right? Or I really worry about you young ladies, is that you're going to look to some guy to be that source of hope for your life. He never will be. Never a true source. I pray you find a good guy, right, that loves Jesus Christ. But you've got to look to Christ first for your source of worth, for your hope, right? You've got to look to him first, and then you won't need to depend on that man to be that person for you. There are good men out there, praise God, that will be great in your life, but you make God the center of your life. I see so many women just going to guys and, and, and just doing all sorts of things, hoping to get some attention from them. It's not worth it, right? It's not worth it. You put God first in no matter what. You put God first in your financial area. He'll take care of it. Somebody... T- text me today or, or, or yeah, t- sent me a message and they said, man, we, God called us to do this thing and we started doing it and we learned it was a little bit more than what we thought it was going to be, you know, but we just went ahead with it even though it was a financial hardship, right? And then all of a sudden we got a check out of the blue from an insurance company that made up the majority of that money. That's how our God works. You put him first and he'll take care of the rest, right? Stand with me. I am praying. I'm praying today for me that first of all, that if anything is on that throne that is not Christ of my heart, that I lay it down. And I'm praying that for you as well, right? You're a great worshiper. We're great worshipers, but we need to be focused in the right direction. I'm praying that today is exchange day, where, where some people exchange the truth for a lie. I'm praying today that the Holy Spirit reveals the lie that whatever we're putting at, whatever we're looking at for the source of our hope, for the source of our joy, would be exposed as a lie. We would realize it will never satisfy us. It will never give us what we want to get. And that will only come through Jesus Christ. And I'm praying today that we surrender ourselves to him and put him back on the throne. Who are you worshiping? What are you worshiping? If it's not him, it will never satisfy you. D.L. Moody, one of my favorite people, ordinary guy, shoes salesman. He had this moment, this epiphany from God where he said, man, um, what would happen basically if I, uh, I surrendered my whole life to you? And I'm messing up the quote. But he said, the, the world has yet to see what a fully surrendered man can do with God. And he made that his life's ambition, right? Shoe salesman, uneducated, right? Became a preacher, led millions to Jesus Christ. People came up to him and was like, you're, you're an ordinary preacher. Your preaching is not even that good. How are you leading this many people to him? He had a life that was fully surrendered to him. That's what we need to be, right? That's what we need to do. What's on the throne of your heart? Make sure it's Jesus Christ. Amen? Father, we thank you for today. Lord, I pray right now that we would all examine our hearts. I pray that you would reveal the truth. Show us that what we're chasing after, what we're looking for, hope and joy, is useless. It's futile. Lord, show us the error of our ways. Father, help us to surrender whatever that thing is. Lord, I know it draws our attention. I know there are things in my life drawing my attention right now that want to be on that throne. But Father, that cannot happen. Lord, help us to surrender to you. Show us what your goodness is fully about, Lord. 
Lord, we love you, and we give you praise. Father, if we start to forget about your goodness, would you open our eyes and our ears and reveal it to us once again? fresh and anew. Lord, we're in the season where we're looking at your birth. We're looking at there is a God who loved us enough not to hold on to heaven, Lord, but was willing to come down into a manger, right? To lay down all that he was just so that he could die for us and make a way that we could have a relationship with him. Father, we give you all glory and honor and praise. Father, help us to live a life worthy of that in response to that, Lord. Not by our power, Lord. We'll never have the power to live a righteous life, Lord. But we know through you, through keeping in step with your Holy Spirit, Lord, you can empower us to do that. Father, help us to do that, Lord. Reveal the goodness that comes when we give you everything, when we surrender everything, Lord. And give us the courage to do that. Father, we love you and we give you all praise. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.